If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rick Blyweiss. Rick lives in Ashland, Oregon, and he's originally from New York City area. He is a best-selling author, publishing executive, former music industry executive. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. Senior VP at BMG Music. Wow. Artista Island Records and Grammy-nominated record producer who just released his first novel, Pignon Scorpion. Flywise <laughs> started his career in music as a rock performer, producer of over 50 records, songwriter, and record company executive in New York City. And he has worked with music industry legends, including Clive Davis, Melissa Etheridge, the Backstreet Boys, Kiss, U2. Wow, the, all the big ones came to you, didn't they? Well, I, I can't say they came to me. I was fortunate enough to be working in companies that were releasing their records. So I got an opportunity to work with all of them. Oh, got it. Yeah. Whitney Houston, the Bee Gees, and many others. I'm sure you can't name all of them. Wow. You also marketed the movie soundtracks for Star Wars movie, Saturday Night Fever. This is Final Tap. I saw that. I love that movie. So since 2006, as a publishing company executive, Blywise has acquired works by best-selling and award-winning authors. Just so many accomplishments. I'll put how to follow him and his website in the show notes for everybody. I just wanted to say, I love Ashland. I went to school there southern oregon state college yeah it's now it used to be southern oregon state college and now Uh it's oregon university they grew up (laughs) wow what a big name yeah so i went to that school right out of high school from alaska oh really so i moved there yep Yeah. Yeah. So I just love to hear a little bit of your story and journey and of course about your book. So what inspired you to write this book that you release, Pignon Scorpion and the Barbershop Detectives? Well, uh, what, what really inspired me is when I left New York uh, City, my wife and I retired. We were both in the music industry. And we moved to Ashland just to have a complete and utter change of scenery because having been in Ashland, you know, it is the antithesis of New York City. (laughs) Yes, the opposite for sure. (laughs) So um, we moved out here with the intention of retiring and uh, I got got bored pretty quickly. I'm I'm a very (laughs) type A active kind of person. Um, So what I did was I... um, I, I started joining nonprofits. I joined the Oregon Shakespeare Festival Board of Directors. I, I joined the Ashland Independent Film Festival Board of Directors. I helped the uh, Ashland Emergency Food Bank get a permanent building. 
things like that. Uh, and I was on the Southern Oregon University President's Advisory Council, the chair of that. Um, and my next door neighbor uh, was a poet. And she uh, and I met through one of these, and we lived next to each other, but we met through one of the organizations. I don't remember which one. And um, she said to me, did you ever write? And I said, well, yeah, actually, I have written most of my life. I've written magazine and newspaper columns and stories, mostly yeah. fiction, not novels or anything like that. Um, I said, I've always liked writing. In fact, when I was 12 years old, I wrote and published a sports newspaper. That oh, very I cool. Told to my closest neighbors, you know, so I've, I've always had writing in me somewhere. I wrote songs, you know, I was a songwriter. Um, I was in college. I did... I, I studied filmmaking in college. Uh, in fact, Martin Scorsese and Bob Balaban were classmates. And oh, are I they wrote, still friends? No, no. Many, yeah. we, I can't say that uh, I was close friends with either of them, but I must tell you that Marty's films were so good, it, it made me kind of want to not go into film, which is why I stayed. <laughs> I know. Amazing. But uh, I wrote student films. So anyway, so Peggy, the poet in Ashland, you know, asked me if I've written. And I, I told her about my nonfiction kind of writing. And she said, well, you know, I'm in this group with with fiction writers, nonfiction writers, poets. You know, why don't you come? I think you'd like the people. I think they'd like you. Maybe it'll stir your creative juices. Oh, so how sweet. Yeah. So I said, sure, why not? I mean, I, I my whole life, I just have always been up for trying new things and, and making life an adventure. So uh, I joined the group and I started writing short stories. And one of the short stories I wrote was with the character Pinion Scorpion. And uh, it's a long story as to how I came up with his name and all of that, but, but I started- I love it. It's so exotic. <laughs> yeah, well- it, it's really a combination because his uh, in the in I postulate that his father was Egyptian and his mother was Haitian and they met in Haiti, and so his last name Scorpion. I did a lot of research and Scorpion is a, a an Arabic Egyptian name. It means entrepreneurial and adventurous, which was his father, and so I love that. And then so cool. And then I, I studied Haiti and found that there's a valley and a mountain there called Pignon that was named after the French explorer who was the first European to discover the area. So I just thought the combination of Pignon and Scorpion was kind of like, cool. It's like Sherlock Holmes. It's not yeah. your everyday name, you know, yeah. so I, something Hercule Poirot, not your everyday name. So I, that's how I came up with that. So anyway, I, I started writing the short story and the members of the group who on my previous short stories were going, oh, that's nice. Here's some criticism. They just to a person said, you've hit on it. This, you got to expand this into a novel. This, this is something. Um, and so I did. And it took me a lot of years <laughs> of off and on because I wrote two other non-mystery novels while I was writing Scorpion. And, uh, that's how the novel initially started. Yeah. And it's so amazing to have that encouragement from that mastermind writing group, right? Yes. I, I would encourage any and every writer 
that especially those that are starting out, but any to join a writing group, the, the yeah. feedback you get is just invaluable. And the fact that you can give feedback and learn things from other people's stories is really helpful as well. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't know why I never thought about doing that. I'm also a writer. Uh, so I've written children's books and one adult nonfiction book. Um, but I just, I, I'm just getting inspired by you just thinking, huh, maybe I need to join a group like that. That would be amazing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then you decided to go deeper based on the encouragement of the group and, and then you wrote it. That's, that's amazing. And do you have any aspirations to make it a TV show or anything? Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you a multiple uh, answer to that, if you will. Okay. Uh, I'll answer the TV show first. Uh, there is a film TV production company in the UK that has optioned it and it is in development. They're having the scripts written and they're casting it. And they apparently uh, told me they have interest from the Sky Network in Britain and from TNT here in the States. And so maybe, you know, that it's still a long way from being done. Oh, but it's yeah, because production, yeah, that could take, because if it's a series, it might take a year or two or something. Yeah. yeah it's a great get. start, you know, I mean, I'm pleased. And uh, it's a I, great start. Yeah. So they bought the rights to it. You know, they've, they've optioned the rights. Optioned yes. the rights. Okay. Got that, it. Technically, I think optioned the rights is the way I'm supposed to say it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You have to be careful of the, the language of what we're talking about. Right. But but I just what an accomplishment. Congratulations. I mean, it's your first novel, right? It, it absolutely is. And in fact, I. I finished the second novel in the series, which is called Murder in Haxford, and that comes out in February of next year, and it just got a glowing review yesterday from Publishers Weekly from an advanced copy they got. So I'm, I'm smiling. Uh, but yes, uh, at 77 years old, uh, Pinion Scorpion was the first debut novel that I ever had. Oh, that's amazing. And it, and it's never too late. You know, I mean, you've had a very successful career, but sometimes people may have not have had a sex, successful career. Maybe they've always wanted to write. So just never give up, keep going, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite quotes is a quote that the uh, basketball star Michael Jordan made. And his quote was, I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something. I can't accept not trying. Uh, uh, and I love that. And then if you excuse me, there's another quote from Betty yeah. Friedman that I think is very appropriate. And she, Betty said, aging is not lost youth, but a new stage of opportunity and strength. And I totally believe that. I mean, um, it, it, I, I've chased rainbows. I've chased the pot of gold at the end of rainbows my whole life. It made life interesting for me and exciting. And I found the chase more exciting than even whether I found the pot of gold or not. And sometimes I didn't, and sometimes I did. And it's like, I have still the energy and the interest to chase rainbows. So why should I stop? You know, I, I, I was interviewed on a TV show and I, I think I made the statement, if I just said I'm too old, nothing can happen to me. Nothing would have happened to me. Yeah. So 
like I encourage everybody, no matter what their age, to go for their dreams. Oh, thank you for saying that. That is so inspiring and encouraging for our audience, I'm sure. So like if someone had a dream of writing, where do you feel like they should start? Sorry, I have my dog in the background making noises. Yeah. I have a dog, but my door shut. So the dog can't. <laughs> <laughs> Usually mine is, but I know I should have. No, I, 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 yeah, I have, my dog barks a lot, so it's better than she's Okay, not. okay. Yeah, where should they get started? What would be a first step if they wanted to write? Write, write. <laughs> Just write. I, I'm serious. It, yeah. It's, it's like a lot of people are paralyzed by the fear of either not being able to write or failing at writing or not being successful at it. And they can conjure up all sorts of reasons not to write. But the reality is you should find writing to be enjoyable. You're creating in a way alternate universes and, and alternate friends in your mind other than in your real life. So it should be a pleasurable, fun experience. Yes, there are deadlines at times. Yes, there can be stress. But the reality is, if you want to be a writer, the, you write and don't worry about what people think of it. Start off writing and then afterwards get assessments. But you need to like what you're writing to begin with. Mm, yeah. And be excited about it. Passionate because you can feel that energy, you know, when you're reading it. And did you have an agent? Well, uh, I'm going to go back a step. To <laughs> okay. Um, I am a, uh, I, I have been a believer for many years since I uh, studied it in, in not just uh, meditating, but in manifesting. Oh, I love it. I love it. Let's hear this. I, I, I'm a big believer in, in the quantum planes and, and multiverses and, you know, and, and things of that nature. So um, what I did when I started writing the book um, was I did a, a lot of manifesting every single night and most days about what would happen with the book. And, and you know, ah. I don't my version of manifesting, I studied with a man named Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah. He's experts in the field. I've heard him of him. Mm -hmm. So Joe basically says, you can't just think it. You have to start living it. You know, mm. so, so I did. I started telling my friends I was going to have a hit book. I was started living it as though it had already happened. And of course, one of the things that I did was I manifested getting a really good agent. And um, I was fortunate because I worked for a publisher that I had access to agents. So I, I'm not gonna deny that for a minute, but still in all, it, it, agents had to like my book. You know what I mean? That's right, right. You have a bad product, who cares? Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to, uh, I, I presented uh, an early version of the book to uh, Nicole Resiniti, who is the uh, owner and president of the Seymour Literary Agency. And Nicole loved the book and took it on. And, and I've been with her, uh, you know, as they say, ever since. But beyond Nicole, I manifested 
what would happen to the book. I, do you want to hear about that? Yeah, of course. I want to hear your story. Because I, I also, did you see a movie as the film, What the Bleep Do We Know? Did that impact your awareness on manifesting as well? It absolutely did. Yes, I've seen it multiple times. I saw it when it was originally out and I've seen it since. And, you know, Dispenza was in that film. That's actually what brought him to national prominence where I first heard of him. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, th that film impacted me. Um, it, it really, um, it, it made me aware of, of uh, the concept that your mind can affect and influence physical events and physical things, which, which I really didn't grasp that much before then. And then I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, a man named Bruce Lipton, mm -hmm. epigeneticist who does the biology of belief. And, and he even goes into that further of how your mind can affect things. So yeah, the, the you know, the, the, the test in, in the, in the bleep movie where they, had um, that I think uh, Masaru Emoto was the Japanese scientist who did these glasses of water. Yeah, I love that. I love those experiments. People that changed the molecules just based on whether they were happy or sad. And, you know, I just, yeah, it totally, that film just absolutely opened a door in my mind without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so then what did you learn about manifesting that, I mean, had you started doing it in other things and, and then you realized you could do it with the book as well? Uh, yeah, I started manifesting health quite honestly to begin yeah. with. Started working a bit and then, then I laser focused on the book. But what I also kind of realized was that Back in the mid-70s, when I was producing disco records, um, there was there, I actually did manifesting then, and I didn't know it was ma called manifest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, yeah, you had the power back then. You thought it was just you being driven or, yeah, successful. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And I, a friend who, who worked for ASCAP, which is, a, a, you know, a publishing society in the music industry, he played me a rock song and said, what do you think of this song? I said, I think it's great, but I hear in my, my, my brain, a disco version of this song, not a rock version. And I literally heard the entire arrangement in my head. Oh. I found a group, taught them the song, taught them the arrangement, and the record went on to sell a half million copies. It it uh, it was the record that popularized whistles and discotheques. But I envisioned that happening as we were recording the record. So I just sort of feel that I don't know what it is, a sec, an extra sense, or if it's just really manifesting without knowing that I was doing it. But I, I'd sort of been there my whole life. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I feel like you were being a little bit psychic. And, and that was like an opportunity, because that was all going to happen, whether you were the kingpin or not. And uh, so I think that's even more powerful than manifesting. Because you're seeing, you are hearing the future and, and you got to be a part of it. So that's amazing. Uh, it, truly. I mean, it, it was, I don't know. I've never considered myself psychic, but in that regard, yeah. I, 
Yeah, it was. Right. Well, maybe just in that moment. I mean, I feel like everyone has that ability. It's just practice and maybe the same as manifesting. Maybe yeah. it's just practicing and getting in that to that quantum field into that space that you know you can and you do it so many times. I, I want to go back to what you said before about your health. So what did you manifest in the realm of health? Well, um, I was having uh, heart issues, and so I started manifesting a healthier heart, better blood pressure, things like that. Mm. How and, long ago was that? Um, gosh, I, I, 10, 10, 15 years ago. Oh, wow. Quite a while ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it was that my wife has had health issues and she did manifesting as well. So, I mean, we, we just sort of, our feeling was if manifesting works, and of course you have to believe it works. That's for, true. <laughs> you know, so if we, if we believe that it works, then why not apply it to what the most important things in your life are? And to me, your health is among the single most important things in anyone's life. And then your happiness is second. So what drives your happiness? So manifest those things that will make you happy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I manifested uh, healing for myself too with cancer in oh. February, 2020, I was diagnosed and now Sorry, I'm in yeah. And now I'm in remission and, and I do believe it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, I believed it that, that just like what you said, I knew that I could do it. I knew that I, I could have power over this dis-ease and it was temporary and it was like a warning sign, a wake up call for me. And it was such a gift. Let me tell you, I've rediscovered myself. I put myself first instead of my family and kids. It, and it's been truly incredible journey and I'm healthier than I ever have been. Oh, that's fabulous. And that, yeah. that's, I mean, I, I am, I'm ecstatic to hear that you're in remission, but I, I'm also happy, really happy that you did it through manifesting. I mean, that, you know, that it's really good. And, and it, at the dispenser, one of the dispenser retreats we were at, mm -hmm number of people who came up a number of people that's great who are uh, getting rid of their cancer that way and i just think it yeah i mean what again what do you have to lose you know it, it's it's not like you're putting invasive harmful chemicals in your body what you're doing is you're filling your mind with positive things to get rid of something that's negative mm -hmm. so tell us walk us through the process that you did with this book for the success of the book what did you, did you do something every night? Did you meditate? Did you visualize? What was it like? All of the above D all of the above. Yes. I meditated every night, meditated, manifested every night. I visualized, as I said, I kind of started living it by telling people this was going to happen. And quite honestly, there was something that was somewhat expensive, not outrageous, but and I ended up buying it because I said, I'm going to make some money off this book. So why not? Uh, you know, I love it. Oh, can you share what it was? I I'd rather not. Okay. 
<laughs> no, but uh, no, but this is really interesting. I love it because it's it's just like there's so much trust and belief in yourself and the process that that you did that. And, and that's just amazing. I, I love that because I, I have heard um, another person did that for his wealth. So he didn't have enough money, but he would go to like five star, seven star hotels and like ask to see the penthouse suite and, and go through the process and go with real estate agents to luxury homes. And about five years later, it was, um, it became true for him, multimillionaire. Mm -hmm. Great. I mean, that that's really fabulous. I, I, yeah. I just think wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what breeds more success is your attitude. I just want to highlight that. Look at how happy you are for others. Like sometimes people will see someone wealthy and they'll be jealous or feel envious. And I feel like it blocks, um, manifestation and, um, and healing in your own life. What do you think about that? I, I would agree with you. I, I, you know, I, I think that, um, well, my own personal belief is we're all interconnected in this world, mm. you know, and, and it's, it's like, it's like the power of faith. I'm not an overly religious person, but at the same time, I do believe that there is something to the power of collective prayer. And so in that regard, I think we there's something that interconnects us all emotionally, spiritually, energetically. And so what I'm doing here today may affect someone on the other side of the world without me ever knowing that. And I can't prove it, but I feel it. And so in that regard, I think the more happiness we can bring into the world, the better people in the world will be for it. Mm. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this interview that I'm realizing is that you're selfless. This is really about giving back. You're sharing your story so that others can manifest. This is not about highlighting you and your pinyong scorpion. No, you, you are really about other people, aren't you? Well, you know, I, I am a little bit about myself too. I don't want to lie here. I mean, certainly I want my- Well, books. you have to be to have some kind of success, right? right. I, but, I'm just talking about this interview in particular. It really feels selfless to me. That's what I'm just pointing out. I, I think uh, in a way, uh, I don't know if I'll use the word a duty or not, but I, certainly mm. I feel it's a duty uh, to, to make the world a better place and help people, which will make that end happen faster and better. And, you know, I do lectures now to Ali groups, you know, the Osher, Osher Life Learning Institute at universities mm -hmm. talk about this. And oh, great. So I, I really try to impart to other people recipes for their success and ways to not get depressed and anxiety ridden and, and, you know, and just be able to, uh, to deal with life. You know, I mean, it, it, there, there's, I'm looking off to my right. Cause I, I wrote a, uh, I wrote a quote that I love as it kind of uh, is important uh, to me. 
Uh, I don't know if you if you watch the show Grace and Frankie with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. Okay, it's on Netflix. It's a, it's a really good show about aging. Okay. There's, there's a Sounds on- great. I would love it with Lily Tomlin. <laughs> so, and uh, there's a character on the show called Mary Elizabeth, and she's one of their friends. And Mary Elizabeth made a quote that obviously the writers wrote, but it was so great to me that I had to write it down so I wouldn't forget it. And her quote was, you are always going to be disappointed if all you remember are your failures. And, you know, I just think that is so appropriate. People need to dwell on positives. You need, you don't want to dwell on failures. You want to revel in successes. And the way to have successes is to go out and do something. Because if you don't do anything, you can't succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's okay to fail because then, you know, you've tried. And so it's like, why not go out there and then learn from your mistakes? I mean, some people don't even call it failure. They just say learning. (laughs) I'm just learning. And I know that there are a lot of people, especially in the arts, and and I'll talk about any art from acting to writing to Mm -hmm. anything, you name it. Music. Exactly. There will be bad reviews and there will be rejection no matter how good you are and how many people like what you do. It comes with the territory. Yeah. Let it roll off your back and go, that's somebody's opinion. Fine. But that doesn't mean it's right. It's right for them. doesn't mean it's right for anybody else. That's really good advice because sometimes you could let good comments go to your head and your ego, and then just as equally be shot down the next moment. And I I heard somebody say, as soon as you get um, a negative review, you know, you've made it. (laughs) Well, I've made it then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, there's so many people out there. Uh, Obviously, you're not going to be a fit for everybody. I mean, and if you start mass marketing, getting it out to everybody, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. So yeah, I thought that was interesting and a great perspective. So let's go back to how you manifest it. So what do you recommend to people to just get started in manifesting something they want? For me, it was really invaluable to take the course with Dispenza. And I'm not, I'm not saying people should only focus on Dispenza as a guide or teacher. Yeah, but, but I, someone I, like him having a guide. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that it, it, you can do it on your own, but you need to, whether you read, whether you take a course, whatever, you need to learn how to do it right. Because to me, and what I believe is it's not just enough to vision it and visualize it. You have to feel it. It has to fill your body as a reality. Or, or another way that I, I look at it is, if you, if you do believe in the, the, the quantum dimensions, if you will, then a, a possible outcome to your future is out there in one of those quantum dimensions. And there's different outcomes in different dimensions. So how do you draw the outcome you want from the dimension it's residing in rather than other ones that give you a bad or or worse outcome? So to me, that's, that's really what manifesting does. It says to that quantum dimension, come on, 
you're my future. It's undeniable. And so I, what I would say to somebody starting is you kind of have to believe that that's possible first. If you don't believe it, it's not going to happen. Then learn how to manifest. Don't just wing it. Then do it and do it regularly and commit yourself to it. And at some point, it's either going to pay off for you or if it doesn't, then you have to analyze why. Mm hmm. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting too, is get excited about the little things that you manifest. So for example, I'll just share, I, what I ran out of honey and I love honey. I eat honey every day <laughs> on my oatmeal and all this other stuff. And I, I also believe in it for my kids when they're sick and they have like a sore throat or something. I give them honey. And I was like, Oh, I'm out of honey. I need to go to the store. And then we got a package delivery and it was honey. It was badger honey. And I didn't order it. My husband didn't order it, but his boss has this yacht called the honey badger. And they have a company called badger. <laughs> and they gave it to, they just sent it to him and I was like yay I manifested honey <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> you know and it's like what you're saying about like uh us being all con connected I think they call it entrainment yes and uh, it's like whether I was being psychic or I put a thought in the CEO's head to send honey that I would need it. <laughs> absolutely. No, you're absolutely. So, you're, you're I, absolutely yeah, I like to really be aware of that and, and to be grateful for those things because those things are when the universe can bring you even more when you recognize that how beautiful and special it is. No, absolutely. And I, I must confess that I have been manifesting less recently. Um, and I'm, I'm, my wife and I both have been discussing that we have to get back. <laughs> and, but um, well, when you've had so much success, I'm sure you could just like take a little manifesting vacation. You could go and like, you know, roller coaster waves, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Although COVID's had something to do with it too. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just sort of uh, being isolated. My, my wife has an autoimmune disease that manifesting is not going to get rid of, unfortunately. Um, but it, you know, we've been ultra careful for the last, what, three years and still are with COVID. So it, it's sort of like, it's, it's a different little more insular world for us than it used to be. I understand. I understand. And that's okay. That's okay. You'll get back to it when you're ready. So what's your main message to our listeners? Wow. Uh, I guess my main message was would be at no matter what age you are, pursue your dreams. Find out what it is that matters to you and that you're excited about and Go, go for it. Don't worry about failing at it. Just go for it and enjoy the process. Mm, yeah, that's amazing. That's great. And did you feel like along your life that success gave you clues? Like you kind of had um, a, a little pathway to your own success that you've had? 
I, I wish I could say yes, but I don't think so because I've had successes and failures along the okay. way. Most of the failures I thought were going to be successes, but they weren't. <laughs> but that, you know, yeah. Um, but no, I, I think um, mainly I, I just had a lot of energy and I, I, I had a lot of ideas and I wasn't content sitting around not acting on them. And so whatever path they led down was great. And I tried to make the most of it. Mm, that's great. And so because the name of the show is Zen Success, what is Zen Success to you? First of all, you should know that my entire house, which my wife and I co-designed and had built, is a Zen house. Oh, yay. (laughs) Give us a tour. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We have a Zen garden in the front with a fountain. You know, I mean. You are um, the epitome of Zen success, (laughs) like literally and figuratively. Well, part of that has to do with for a number of years, I was consulting to a company in Japan and I just Ah. absolutely fell in love with the whole aesthetics and culture of Mm. Zen and Japan. And so we really, without going too overboard, my wife and I, because she went with me there a number of times, we tried to bring it into our lives, the tranquility and Zen. So what is Zen success to me? Um, Zen success to me would be having being successful at being okay with yourself and being calm about yourself without stressing too much about your successes, your failures, and what's going on in your life. I I think if you can be successful at just being a happy, calmer person, you've achieved Zen in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, it's been such a pleasure connecting with you and hearing about your book, Pignon Scorpion and the Barbershop Detectives. I'll put your website and how to buy your book in the show notes. So thank you for being here today on my show. Much Zen success in your journey and enjoy your Zen garden. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. You're welcome. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey and join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.